Well, here's what I want you to do. Um, I'm going to continue on with the sermon series, Salt and Light, super simple concept. And the, the basic principle of salt and light is that we are seeking to impact people around us, okay? And that's what we're going to continue to talk about. How can we do this, all right? So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Now, I am entitling this message in a way that I just don't normally do. I'm going to actually entitle it with a Greek word, okay? And I usually don't do that. I mean, what's the sense in that, right? But I am doing that because, in all honesty, I think that there is some confusion with regard to this one. It's, it's just one single Greek word. Are you ready for this? Talanta. Are you ready? Talanta. T-A-L-A-N-T-A. We actually get our English word talent from this Greek word. However, I think some of you may learn something a little new today, but overall, I'm praying that as we grasp some of these truths and really understand what a talanta really is, and I'm just going to let you know, it's not your talent. That's unfortunate because that's where we get our English word, but it's technically not your talent. Now, we're going to now, that's probably a question mark in your mind right now. Well, good. I, I hope we can answer that. But the truth is, we want to impact this generation. We cannot afford to waste our time here so caught up in getting people to like us, in making a bunch of money. These things, friends, God gives us friends so that we can pour into them. God gives us finances so we can use it for his kingdom to be able to bless our families. But we, these things can serve as distractions. So much in this life can serve as distractions. And we have to be so focused, church. Our time is so limited here on earth. We need to be so focused. God, how can I live my life on purpose, with purpose, and impact as many people as I can? That is the driving question that we want to wake up every morning with. God, how can you use me in your kingdom? Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If you do it right, if you get that first button right, everything else is aligned. Have you, have you ever done that where you got the first button wrong? I remember one time waking up early in the morning for a, 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 a prayer prayer time with some of the pastors in the city of Sanford. And I didn't want to wake my wife up, so I went into my closet and I tried to get dressed. And I walked in there to shave and there's my shirt and it's completely cockeyed because I got the first button wrong. And I'm going to tell you what, seek first the kingdom of God. If you, we can do this, everything else in your life is going to be aligned, okay? So, God, how can I live in your kingdom in such a way as to impact people. So I can be a giver and not a taker. I mean, there are times in which we need ministry. I'm not suggesting that there aren't. But our goal, our drive, our question is, God, how can I today serve you in your kingdom? Amen? Amen. I want to give you an example of a talenta. And obviously, I'm going to be reading the parable of the talents, right? Or the talenta, right? Okay. I fell in love with a young lady, and yes, it was my wife, if you were wondering. I fell in love with a lady, and it was so hard for me to be focused in life. It was so hard for me to concentrate. Uh, my grades started going down. I blame her for it. But the truth is, man, I, I'd been bitten. Mm, I was in love. Uh, I, I managed to eventually start thinking clearly. Uh, some of my close friends helped me with that, by the way. I, and and it, you know me, I'm not a guy who is generally led by his emotions, but wow, something had really gotten a hold of me. And so I fell in love with this young lady. We eventually got married, and we had just talked, you know, what is life going to look like? And, and I wanted to be a pastor. Um, she wanted to be a mom, a stay-at-home mom, and just have, you know, 20,000 kids, and so that, that wasn't necessarily my goal, 20,000, but anyway, she, she wanted to have a lot, and I just said, I grew up with a, a, there were a family in which there were six kids, 
And so I said, yeah, I want kids. So within a short while after getting married, a little over a year, we had Kate. We eventually had four more children, so four girls and a boy. And I really looked at this as an opportunity for me. I just thought, wow, what a privilege to be a dad. Now, I just want you to know, my wife, like that was her vision. She wanted to give her entire life to people, starting with her children, and just say, how can we, how can she pour into her children so that those children would be able to turn around and multiply everything that she had poured into them? Do you see? So, in a kind of a cold way, we could say she was investing in them, all right? But she was doing it in love. I had the same vision. And I took my vision and this desire to raise up what I'll call world changers, to do everything that I could to pour into them so that one day they're going to start turning around and as early in, the, as early in life as possible, turn around and start blessing and serving and encouraging and know the word so that they can teach the word and be able to feed others with it and be able to love people and basically do what we're going to talk about today and, and, and really what this series is, salt and light. How can they be driven by this principle in pursuing Jesus and impacting as many people as possible? And so that was my goal. Now, I was like most men, and, and I worked a lot of hours every week. I was pastoring a church, and I was working full-time with my own business. And so I, I, my question was not, how can I get away with the boys, uh, the guys, Friday night, and just have a great time? And, and most guys out in the world, that, man, that, they look forward to that weekend. They look forward playing you know, 18 holes out on the golf course, and I'm not opposed to golf. Um, not opposed to getting together with the guys. But for me, I just had too much responsibility to be able to do very much of that. And, and, and I connected and I built relationships with the guys in the church, of course, but I just looked at my evenings as an opportunity to be able to, in some way, help serve my wife because she's been with the kids all day. What can I do to serve these children? And so I, I help there and getting them ready for bed and just playing with them, talking with them, and and putting them down at night. And, and I saw putting them down tonight as a really unique opportunity for me as a dad to be able to communicate, and, and, and I just played it simple, one truth. I just want to communicate one truth to them tonight. And so we got a, I got a hold of, my wife got a hold of a lot of good resources. Um, I love telling them stories. Um, actually, when they were little kids, I told them a story that I eventually uh, told my grandkids and then turned into a book just you know this past year to be able to, a, a story in which people come to Christ, lives are changed. And, and so I, I would tell them stories and I would, I would always pray over them and I would always try to sing a little song over them. And, and yes, sometimes that was a rap song, but usually not because I'm not real good at that. And so I would sing to them and when my first daughter grew up and got married, she made a choice. When, when she invited her daddy out onto the dance floor at the reception, she had a certain song played. And it was the song that I would sing over her every single night. I sang You Are My Hiding Place over her and over our children hundreds and hundreds of times. Literally. And so when I had the opportunity, uh, I think like just a, a handful of times, to be able to put my grandkids down at night, uh, Zach wasn't there out of town, then I would sing that song over them. And they would say, I like that song, Grandpa. That's a song my mommy sings to me. Now I'm sharing this with you because that's just a really simple application of what we're going to talk about today. That's just me in my, at times, fumbling way. And I say fumbling because my dad didn't do this for, for us. My dad actually struggled in being a dad because when he, was, when he got married, he, he really didn't want any kids. And he ended up getting six, just so you know. 
And so we kind of came into this a little blind and just trying to find out how, you know, what do I do with kids, you know? And so anyway, another story. But here's, and I have an opportunity to try and pour into my kids. And, and I realized from the get-go, I am not the perfect dad. I'm not. Um, I grew up with a bunch of boys. I've got now four girls, and then a boy finally came along, and I was out of my comfort zone, all right? So as I poured into my children, my, my oldest daughter did that for me, honestly, and for her, um, at the reception at her wedding. And she has gone on. She is expecting baby number four in just a few weeks. And she's just doing a marvelous job as she is seeking to really pour into her children, okay? And, and I'm not saying that a mom's job description is easy because it is not. It is probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest jobs on the face of planet Earth. It is a lot harder than being president of the United States. It is. And... Because generally, the president of the United States doesn't get waked up in the middle of the night with the needs of the nation. He can put that on hold. Moms, not the same. How can we take what God has given us and impact people? With this vision that says every day, God, how can I, be, how can I serve you in your kingdom today? I want to read from this passage now. It's, it's obviously a parable that... You've heard many sermons. It, this isn't the first time I've preached from this parable. It fits in with this concept of salt and light. I'm going to approach it maybe from a bit of a different angle than I have in the past. But I want you to take these simple truths that I'm going to pass on to you, and I want this to be absolutely practical. So to do that, I'm going to, at, at some point in the message, I'm going to have you write stuff down. I'm going to, I'm going to feed you some stuff. I'm going to have you write them down. And then... I want you, and I'll ask the question, and I want you to answer it. And during the sermon, as you're listening with one ear, you're kind of listening to the Spirit with the other, and you're writing some things down. But I'll get there. But I want this to be practical for you. So if you have a piece of paper, and if you have a pen, or if you have your cell phone in front of you and go to your notepad, however you want to do this, I do want you to write some things down. I'm going to read the passage to you now, and then we're going to get into... Several things that Jesus, highlight, I believe, highlights here and see what they mean for us today. Again, it, referring to the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. I want you to underline that phrase, his property. To one, he gave five talents. I want you to underline that word as well, talents. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, one talent, each according to his, now my version says ability. I want you to underline that. Whatever version you have, underline that. According to his ability, all right? We'll get into that. Then he went on his journey. Do you have any idea, by the way, in this parable, who this master is? Just a, like a guess. You know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe it's Jesus. I, I, I might be right. I might be right. Let's go on. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once. Church, at once. Say that with me. At once. Went at once and put his money to work and gained how many more? Five. Thank you. Some of you are listening. Appreciate that. So also the one who had two talents gained how many more? Two. You can say it. Don't be afraid. How many more? Two. I'm just testing you. Verse 18. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Underline that phrase, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. The Greek word there is for in charge of is over. I will put you over many things. 
Come and share your master's happiness, joy, blessedness. The man with two talents also came, master. He said, I have, you have entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Underline that phrase again, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things I will put you in charge of over many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. In total, how many did this last serve? How many talents did this last servant give to the master? One. He did not gain another, it was just the one. He did nothing with it. His master replied, Are you ready, church? You wicked, lazy servant. And you can underline that too if you would like. You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Hmm, well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Remember, five plus five. For everyone who has will be given more and he will receive an abundance. Moreover, excuse me, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant. You can underline that phrase too. That worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want us to see something here that when you look at it just closely enough and not kind of rely on stuff that you've heard or assumptions from the past. because And I say that because this is a very popular parable in Christianity. All right, It, it truly is. The parable of the talents. We realize that there is that which the master gives, talenta, or property, and then there is that which the servant already possesses. We call it ability. Now, the Greek word that's used here is dunamis, or power, and it's fairly translated ability. It doesn't mean you have miraculous powers. That's, that's not the point here, though that word dunamis can be translated that way many times in the New Testament. It's not to be here. It just simply means abilities. So the talenta, or the talents, if you will, and I'm probably not going to use that word today, only because in just a moment you'll hear why, but this is external. It's something that's visible. It's the master's property. You can see it with your eyes, and he gives it to you as a servant. You, a follower of Jesus, he gives you one, two, five, maybe 10 or 50 or 100 talenta, According to what? According to something that's internal, that you cannot see, your personal ability, your dunamis, personal dunamis, okay? Now, I'm not getting new agey here on you. I'm just, let me then explain to you or give you examples of what a talenta is and then what a dunamis or and a personal ability is. All right. Here would be, so the talenta is external, the ability is internal. The talenta is something that the master gives, and the ability is, and I'm going to word it this way, something we bring to the table, so to speak. Now, I'm being very cautious here. I'm just going to let you know that regardless of how this parable reads, both the talenta on the one hand and the dunamis or abilities on the other, when you take this out of the parable, 
into everyday Christian kingdom living, our master gives all of it, not just the talenta. Because the abilities would include things like your IQ, would include things like your personality, maybe an extrovert or introvert. It would include things like acquired wisdom. It would include things like being a big, excuse me, a big picture person or a detail-oriented person. When you look at a forest, do you see the forest first or do you see the individual trees first? We need detail-oriented people in this world, don't we, church? Thank you. Yes, we do. But you also need big picture people as well. Music. Music, that is a talent. That's an ability that for many people, they're just born with. The way their mind is hardwired. We could get into the physiology of this, um, and I'm sure as they study the brain more and more, they do that, but they begin to to realize that many people uh, have this ability, this natural ability or talent for music. Some of them have perfect pitch. I knew a girl in uh, my 12th grade chorus class, and if we were going to do an a cappella song as a choir or as a chorus, it was a public school, so a chorus, not a choir, um, the, the professor, the teacher, would ask this lady to hum the note, and she would hum it because she had perfect pitch. I would venture to say she didn't develop that. She was just born with that innate ability. However, you may be given musical talents or or such. On the other hand, the talenta would be the piano that God gives you or the set of drums that God blesses you with or opportunities to use your ability. Other examples of abilities Leadership abilities or skills. These are things that you, so to speak, bring to the table, if you will, in God's kingdom that that you're kind of hardwired with. You might acquire them along the way, but they're internal, they're inward, they're things that people can't necessarily see. We're going to get to the talenta in just a moment, but these things are things that we bring to the table. Understand, though, that even those things, those abilities, those personal abilities, remember he gives the talent according to their abilities, even those abilities, I'm going to have to say, are given to you by God. You can be task-oriented or people-oriented. Even spiritual gifts, even though that is obvious that that's something God gives you, we may well put that into this category here, okay? And I'll explain in a minute. But understand that these spiritual gifts, if you have a spiritual gift of teaching, then that means that your ability to teach goes beyond any kind of natural ability or skill that you have acquired. It is this supernatural. That's the idea of a spiritual gift. It is supernatural. It is endowed by the Spirit. It is empowered by the Spirit. So if someone has the natural gift of teaching, great. But if you have the spiritual gift, the spiritual empowerment of teaching, it's going to impact people differently because the Spirit will generally speak through you. First Peter 4 says, he who speaks, speak as the oracles of God. The God, as a teacher, God, excuse me, God wants to speak through me or through you if your gift is teaching to, as you teach, impact people with truth. Not just knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. So that's always a teacher's goal. It's not just to transfer information, but to do it in a way that brings about what? To not just feed information, hope I'm saying this right, but so that in the end there is transformation. And that is something that a teacher can't do. It must be by the Spirit, and that's why this is a spiritual or supernatural gift. Now, do you understand this? I would suggest to you that even the talents that you have fall into this category of abilities. All right? I understand that that is generally not the way this parable is preached. 
But that is something. A talent is something that you bring to the table. So then what are the talented? If I'm going to take this idea of a talent and put it in the category of ability, what then goes into the category of talent? I'm going to read just a few ideas. The family that God has blessed you with. That's one of your talents. The money that God has given you, that yes, you earned, but God is the one who provided and he did it. Opportunities, and this is a big one, church. Opportunities, every day, every week, opportunities to love people and to serve them. Those opportunities are the talentas that God gives you. Now understand, when God gives us opportunities, what am I bringing to the table? Maybe it's a spiritual gift. So I'm, he's giving me an opportunity. I'm taking a spiritual gift. And my goal is to multiply that, to do something that's impactful. I'm multiplying it. So for me as a dad, I just, I enjoyed, uh, I, I enjoy being silly with my kids. I really do. I enjoy having fun with them, but I tend to be a serious person. I love truth. Uh, I had worked enough with teens, so I, so I, I kind of got an idea how to make truth a little bit more relatable. And little children was even harder, but I enjoyed doing that. It was a challenge for me. I wanted to invest in my children. So my children were the talent that God gave me. And a lot of different things. My personality, my just how I view things, how I do things, talents, spiritual gifts, etc. All of that then I bring to the table and I say, how can I multiply that? Not by having five more kids necessarily, but I can multiply what I'm pouring into them. Character, as far as I can do that a heart and a vision for the kingdom of God. First and foremost, a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't reach into my kids' hearts and change them. I can give them truth and try and do it in a very practical, relevant way so that they then realize, man, serving Jesus is like the best thing in the world. That's what I want to give my life to. That's what I want, that, that's what I want to beat in their heart. And so I better live a life that in some way makes this truth about Jesus attractive because if I don't, they're going to look at me and say, oh, my dad's a Christian. I don't want to do that ever. I never want to be a Christian. And can I just be really honest with you guys? We can take, as dads, we can take that job not very seriously. We can take a relationship with Jesus, if we have one, not very seriously. And we can make the gospel unattractive. I didn't want to do that. And so I, I took my, my five children and I just asked this question every day. How can I in some way impact them? So that I'm I want to give them some truths and love them and be a good example to them. So they see truth as it's walked out in flesh and blood so that they will be able to do the same. And so that my daughter Kate will now impact four other children, even though I only impacted her necessarily. I mean, I try to impact my grandkids as well. And so do you see then? I bring what I have, my abilities, and all that would mean, and here's an opportunity. Here is my family. Here is God's property. Remember it says here, the master's property. God gives me something, a family, and I invest in it. It would also be opportunities to love people. And if you were to look over in the very next teaching, you would see there in verse 35, same chapter, verse 35, for I was hungry, Jesus said to the sheep, those true followers of Jesus, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me. And see, these are opportunities. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick 
and you took and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then they say, of course, well, wow, I don't remember seeing you, Jesus. And Jesus then says to them, okay, let me just be blunt then. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. So God gives, God is going to give you opportunities this week, and I can guarantee you that. You're going to be given an opportunity or many opportunities to love and to serve. That's a talenta. How are you going to handle that? So here's what I want you to do. As I'm going through this list, and for the rest of the sermon, it's not going to be much longer, but for the rest of the sermon, I want you to listen with one ear, and what I'm saying, don't tune out, but with the other, listen to the Spirit, and ask Him this question. Spirit of God, what are some of those things, those talentas that you are giving me? And I want you to write them down, and it's going to be different for all of us. There's going to be some overlap, but it's going to be different. I want you to add to this list I'm giving you. What are those talentas that you're giving me? On the other hand, I want you to write under this list. So one list is talenta, the other is abilities, okay? And if you want to be cool and write the word dunamis, that's fine too, as long as you understand. But in that column, I want you to start listing those things that you, so to speak, bring to the table. They're not necessarily seen. They're kind of personal. They're different than the next person in that way. What has God poured into you so that you then can take the talent as he gives you and multiply, invest, multiply? You understand what I'm asking of you then? And if you do, just shake your head, yes, you do. Okay, talenta on the one side and then ability on the other. Okay. Another example would be uh, of a talent. It would be opportunities to evangelize. How about houses and property? God gives you those to bless you and your family, but to what end? So we realized that we, we, our house, our, our our family was growing. We had four girls. We managed to stash them away in two different bedrooms, my wife and I in a third, and then a boy came along. Now, I was excited. My wife was excited, but we're looking at three bedrooms, and we're thinking, okay, five kids, four girls, one boy. Do we stick all four girls in one room and the boy in another? And how are we going to do this? And we investigated, and the Lord eventually showed us that we were to purchase a different home. The Lord eventually led us to the home that we live in presently, and it actually had more than what we needed. And God blessed us. with So Meredith and I we covenanted, so to speak, together and with the Lord. God, we are going to use this house to further your kingdom in some way, to raise godly children, to practice hospitality. And as a, a pastor or elder, if I technically, if I don't practice hospitality, I have no business being an elder, all right? That's one of the qualifications. So that just needs to be something natural. And I'm going to suggest to you, that's just a, a requirement for an elder but it is a it's something that God calls all of us to. I was just talking to a single young man this past week, and that happened to be the subject of our lesson, hospitality. And I said, so you're single, and how are you going to live this out? Well, there's a lot of different ways that he could, and we investigated a lot of those. So anyway, your home can be a talenta. So how can you use your home to be a blessing to other people in the kingdom of God. How can you multiply this? Okay? It's impact. All right? Property. Businesses. God gave me a business. He's given some of you a business. Or, or you work for someone else's business. That is a talenta that God has given you. How are you going to use it for his kingdom? Well, I tell you what. First and foremost, it is to support my family. But I've covenanted in my heart, God, if you prosper me enough, 
I'm not going to just spend it all on visiting Hawaii and all of these extravagant places. I want to sow it into your kingdom somehow. So show me how to be generous. And so my wife and I, that's, we want to be generous. She's, she's a whole lot more generous than I am. And, and, and I'm always trying to crunch numbers and such. And she says, Mike, let's just give it away. Let's just bless somebody. Okay. Step of faith for me. Excitement for her. And, and so, but God has blessed you with a business. Or God has blessed you with the income from a business. Or he's given you a business and he's saying, if you're going to seek me first, can you somehow make it your mission when you go to work that you are going to shine your light? It may not be that every new person you meet, you've got to share your testimony with. That'd be awesome. But it may not work out that way. I know for Kate, when she was a, a, an English teacher at UCF, she couldn't do that. So I remember her first year, and she sat down and shared with me. She said, Dad, I've just come up with some ideas. What do you think? And she came up with some ideas in which she as a teacher could impact her students and, and actually make them ask her certain questions, things that she would put on her desk and that type of thing. And, and she just says, God, God has me at UCF. I want to impact these people. And so she would go to UCF, and, and she would try to evangelize but as a, as a teacher, she couldn't do that. She couldn't use her classroom as a platform for Christianity, though I might say the secular teachers do use their platform, or do use their, their classroom as a platform for their secular thinking, unfortunately. Anyway, how about your rank or position? It could be in the community. It could be in a business. For Daniel, it was in politics. Did you know that Daniel, first and foremost, was not a prophet, but a politician? Mm, yep. But he, be, he was so faithful in what he did, the king entrusted him and raised him up. And all that did for Daniel was not so that he got more notoriety. Hey, guys, yep, I'm like number two in the kingdom. Thank you very much. Or number three. In, it, instead... It was simply an opportunity to impact different people. Now to impact King Nebuchadnezzar or to impact King Darius. That's what it did for him. It opened up opportunities for him to turn around and actually be used by God concerning the Jews in the Babylonian kingdom, the Persian kingdom. My point is this, that God gives you rank. He gives you status. He gives you places Maybe a CEO in a business, or maybe it's just a guy in the mailroom. But he has given that to you, a talenta, for you to love people, to serve people, to do your job with excellence. And as God gives you even more open doors with people, share your testimony. Be able to speak for truth and just be wise in how you do that. Look for them, pray for them. So right now, you're still writing down things in that left category of talentas and things in the abilities. You're writing stuff down as they come to your mind. Right, great, thank you. I, wanted me to, I want us to turn our attention now because there is a way in which these servants did this. Yes, they brought their abilities to the table, so to speak. The master gave them certain talentas but they had to do something. And we discover what they were commended for, and it wasn't just the fact that the five received five talents and gained five more. There was a reason why he did it. Something was in his life. And do you, do you see, I had you underline it. What does the master say as soon as he hears, I took your five and made five more? He says, well done what? Good and what? Faithful servant. Good and faithful. Let me just easily make that easily understood to you right now. Good. That is the character that the Spirit of God is producing in you. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. Add to your knowledge, Peter says, goodness. Goodness. It's just general integrity. It's what the Spirit of God is is forming in you. And we add more stuff to that. There's actually eight things in that list if you look at 2 Peter chapter 1. But the good 
is the character of Jesus that the Spirit of God is producing in you, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I realize faithfulness technically is one of those fruits, but look at it this way. Faithfulness is that you don't just, I'll choose one of the fruits, love. It's not just that you love, but you love every day consistently. And you never stop. You never give up loving. So you're with that goodness, with that fruit of the Spirit God is is building in you, you do it consistently. You do it over a stretch of time. When life gets hard, when you go through persecution, you still do it because you are seeking to be a what? A faithful servant. That's why he says, you know what? To the, in, in essence, he's saying to the one with five and to the one with two, you know what? You grew in character. And because of that, you were able to take all that I gave you and with integrity and righteousness of heart, you followed through and you invested and you did whatever you could with your abilities to see that multiplied. That takes character. And I'm so grateful in some of the leadership books that I've read in the last couple of decades, as leadership books have become very popular, many leaders are catching on to this. A leader truly needs to be one of integrity. If you're going to shine in the business world, you need integrity of heart. And you need to be faithful. Cut the lying. I'm kind of, when I read some of this stuff, I'm like, shock, wow. Even the world gets this, church. Of course, us in the kingdom of God, we should get it all the more. Character. That is eventually what is going to produce taking five to make five more. It's character. Your ability now coming to the table saying, okay, I'm going to do this with joy. I'm going to do this with love. I'm going to do this with patience and kindness. That is what is needed. And we do it consistently. Faithful. When you face trials, you kept doing it. You didn't recoil. You didn't start looking in at me and navel gaze and say, I just have so many problems and freezing. I mean, that could happen, can't it? No, this person was faithful and he said, you know what? Okay, God, you, here's my deficit. Here's my need. And I give it to you. I'm moving forward. I am not stopping. I am not dawdling. I'm not going to get caught up in this downward spiral of depression and woe is me. Church, this can happen to the best of us. No, I'm going to be faithful. I'm looking up to, because today is another day and another opportunity to use what God has given me to advance his kingdom, to be salt and light. I'm giving myself to his kingdom today. I'm going to tell you what, to do that takes character. In the face of trial, to get back up, a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Okay, that's you. All right, you are a righteous woman. You're a righteous man. And we fall, but we get back up. Okay, God, I'm here to serve you in your kingdom again today. Good and faithful servant. I just want to conclude looking at this very last person. Because I can't leave this without mentioning him. He is the one who had just one talent. He was given that one talent. And can I just back up and say this? That if I were to summarize exactly what a talent is, I would say this. It is everything that God has and in his storehouse of grace gives it to me. So I'm going to see it as God's grace. The opportunities, the family, the money, the job that you have, where you are in that job, all of that is God's grace. Can you see that, church? What am I going to do? How am I going to respond to God's grace, to his talenta that he gives me? Even with this one servant, God's grace was given to him. But what did he do with it? He buried it. Why did he bury it? He buried it because he misunderstood the master. He misguessed, if you will, his character. He's hard. He's demanding more than what anyone can ever produce. 
He's a slave driver. So I played it safe. And I, listen to this. So I did not respond to the grace of God. He didn't respond to the grace of God. Now, if you are a brother or sister in Christ, you have at least responded to that grace of God. You are at least a two-talent or five-talent person. You could be a one-talent, but you're going to make one more. You will. But if, there, if you daily refuse to not consider the grace of God and the opportunities of God and the talent that God brings your way every day, and if you constantly turn a blind eye and not recognize that grace of God, it is because of this. You have a mistaken understanding of who your father is. Now, can I just say this? That just because in this passage he is called a servant and Jesus is called the master does not mean that he's a Christian. If you were to turn over to, his, to chapter 24, in verse 26, it says it would be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. That is only evidence that he was not a true servant of God. Now, I'm taking this out of the parable and applying it into everyday life, okay? He's truly not a servant. Do you know the word that's used here for master is the Greek word kurios? In most other places in the New Testament, it's translated as Lord. Okay? Jesus said at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, there will be those who will stand before me and they're going to recognize him. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And I'm going to cut it short. Didn't we do a lot of religious things in your name? And do you know what Jesus will say to them? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity or sin, because I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. You see, this servant here who does nothing with that grace of God, that one talent, he is the religious person. He is the person, and, and for most people know that there's a God. Even the atheists, I think, know that there's a God. They just don't want to admit it, regardless. This servant has never chosen to have that relationship with the Master, the Lord. He took that grace of God that initially is found in the gospel, and he buried it. He did nothing with it. He had a misunderstanding of who Jesus is, as many people in our generation do. But guys, it's up to us. I would like to get these three guys together, and I would like to ask the one with two and the one with five. So guys, what did you do to the servant who had only one talent? And how did you encourage him? And if he said that he buried his talent, how did you respond to that? Now, that's not part of the parable. That's totally an unfair question that I want to ask them, but I would like to know. But it's, it's just not part of the story. I'm going to challenge you to make it part of your story, though. I want you to, I want to challenge you. And as you are busy with these opportunities of God, maybe one of those opportunities, guys, is, the one, is to speak to the one with one talent who buries it and does not respond to the grace of God. And that you would have that opportunity to say, hey, this is the gospel. This is truth. I want to tell you, it, it, it transformed my life, and I can guarantee you, and I stake my life on it, it will transform yours. Because Jesus is the one who's doing this. And so can I encourage, I realize that's not a part of this story, but I'm going to call you to ask that one with one talent. What are you doing with this? So you had an opportunity to share the gospel, your personal testimony with someone at work, and you come back the next week and you ask them, so what have you been thinking 
about what I shared with you last week. Guys, I want to be the one either with two talents or five. Though I probably have only one, then my job is to make at least one more. And if I can make two more or five more out of that one, thank you, Lord. There's no limit here. You're not just stuck if you got five to make five more. At least not that I'm seeing here. I want to just encourage you. As you're making that list of the talents and all the abilities, I want you to wake up tomorrow morning. And I want you to say, Spirit of God, as I enter into this day, this is the day the Lord has made. You have good works prepared in advance for me to do. I believe that. Give me eyes to see it. Give me the integrity of heart to take those opportunities you give and to be able to invest and be able to see what I can do with how you're leading me to, to be able to impact people, to be salt and light in everything, every measure of grace that you send my way. Can you do that, church? Can you stand with me? Oh, Spirit of God, thank you for the rich truths we find in your word. We, 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 are, we, are never, we never cease to be amazed at the power of your truth. And I, I'm just going to ask, Lord, as each of us have been hearers of your word this morning, including myself, Father, would you show us how now we are to be doers of that truth. When we wake up tomorrow morning, Starting off the day, God, how can I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness today? How can I be salt and light? How can I use all that you have given me and will give me today and this week to advance your kingdom in some little ways with my children, with my spouse, my neighbor, my boss, my business? Father, would you help me so that at the end of my days, I stand before you, man, that's what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Help us, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.